Dear Father, today the, the, the world, the church, remembers you coming in. And Lord testifies to us as selfish people, welcoming you as a king, as the Messiah, Lord, for our own purposes. Lord, today we stand here because we have been touched by the truth. And today we're reminded that you are not here for our own purposes, Lord, but that we are here to be used for your purposes, Lord, that we are not here for uh, our life to be heaven on earth, but for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for our life being hid with you, Christ, on high. So, Lord, we're reminded that on this day. And, Lord, we ask forgiveness. If we have come here today, Lord, with our own agenda that you need to do for our own lives. So we surrender once again by the truth that you freed us into our hearts and souls today. That here we are, Father, your servants today for your will and for the times that are at hand. Build us up, Lord. Exhort us and equip us for that which lies ahead as we present ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all people said, Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. Um, uh, it is the first Sunday of the month. And what we will do on the first Sunday of the month is we will go over spiritual disciplines. So far, um, can you go to the next slide? Go through the scripture reading because we'll read them later. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, there it goes. So, so far, since I've been here, we've had four, uh, four uh, studies on what it means to be spirit-formed. If you and I are born by the Spirit of God, we enter into the kingdom. And in this kingdom that we are birthed, there's a new reality and a new extent to who we are in Jesus Christ and the new life that we have. So, we have looked... Uh, the spiritual discipline and what I mean by that is that there's nothing that you and I can do about being born of the Spirit of God there's nothing that you and I can do about being filled and baptized by the Spirit of God but you say if we're spiritual people what is our responsibility in this aspect and it's being formed by the Spirit of God that is a part that we do play in and we looked at celebrating the Lord's table, which we will do that once a month, on the, most of the time on the first Sunday of the month. Then we also looked at what it means to feed on God's word and how important that is of a spiritual discipline in our life. Uh, last month, last month, we looked at the first part of what it means to live in the power of our baptism. And for that to be an entity in our new life that moves us and guides us forward and brings our identity and, and takes us in this road of sanctification. Today, we're going to look at something also very forming, and that is walking in the spirit of forgiveness. 
And this is something that our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit wants to form about us. Okay. Let's move to the next slide. The clicker doesn't work anymore. But when we look at this term of forgiveness, we see that it's in the whole Bible used 18 times. The word forgiven is used 40 times. The word forgives is used twice. And the word to forgive is used 52 times. Now you say, well, why, Pastor, why do you put this up? Forgiveness is a subject. Forgiven is a declaration. Forgives and forgive are in the present tense. The present and the future are, are what takes 54 times. Forgiven is in the past. Forgiveness is separate. Past, present, future. I wonder if in your formation as God's child, you have received the peace of Jesus Christ when you were forgiven. If you have the reality of a living Savior that still forgives. And if you have the peace, that you will be declared forgiven in the future as you are today. Let's uh, go to the next slide. Interestingly enough, there are six words that are being used for the word forgive. Three in Hebrew and three in Greek. So the first three are in Hebrew. Kafar is only used once, and if you think about it, when we looked at the mercy seat, it's from that root word that comes from the mercy seat of God, where we entered once a year with the blood to receive what? Mercy, the atonement for our sins. So that's only being used once, and it's a powerful form used by the prophets and the prophet asked God not to remove the reality of their sin into this forgiveness aspect. Now, some is mainly used in the Old Testament about each other. If you were to take a guess, Salah, what do you think is being used then? With whom? Is there more forgiveness than just between each other? It's used with God, right? When he speaks about God forgiving. Now, interestingly enough, uh, we, we find that Greek has three of them. But I won't, you know, 
afiemi is used by far the most. Charizomai is an extension that we see similar to Nasa within the body of Christ and as a layer of kindness and forgiveness that exists within a body. I hate to say this, it's very important that you know this. Why? We only think in forgiveness in terms of the individual. Charizomai, it's a reflexive form of the use and it brings about corporal forgiveness. Forgiveness at a corporate level is much more different than just at individual at an individual level. You may have committed a heinous crime and gone into jail and the person that you committed may have truly forgiven you. But does it mean that the state of United States has forgiven you? Or the people around? No, it doesn't necessarily look that way. When you come out of jail, you won't be able to get all the jobs that you like because it's in your record. So as you can see, this forgiveness comes at a deeper level and it can only be exploited and seen at a greater level within a body, within a body, within a church, within the corporate model rather than just the individualistic. So I won't take more time. I want to take more time, but let's look at some famous people of what they say about forgiveness. Let's move to the next slide, please. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. This is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single injury, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life. To keep on forgiving a bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? Only, I think, by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words when we say in prayers each night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are offered forgiveness on no other terms. To refuse it means to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. Guess who, go back, go back. Guess, guess who said that, a quote? I'll give you a hint. He's famous. He's from the UK. C.S. Lewis. That was C.S. Lewis. Now, as we look at forgiveness for those who are more um, intellectually oriented with principles, uh, uh, let's look at, at a principle that we can take out of forgiveness. The forgiveness of sin is given freely to us in Christ through his atoning death and justifying work. And it opens a fountainhead of grace that flows to us without measure. The graciousness is a summons to every believer saying, freely you have received, so freely give. A call to which, a call which cannot remain unanswered except at the expense of blockage, bondage, and withering of the soul. It is interesting now because as we look at this spiritual discipline, 
the beauty of this spiritual discipline is that you are asked to be a fountain. It is not something that you just suck in. But it is something that flows through you. Forgiveness is something that flows through you. Let's move to the next slide. Let's move to the next slide. Now, when we turn to our Lord Jesus, was there forgiveness in his life and ministry? Can you guys name one example? The guy brought through the roof. He was brought to be healed, but Jesus says, go and sin no more. Okay. Anyone else? The woman caught in adultery. They condemned her righteously. She deserved to be stoned. But the Lord says, where are your Accusers. And then he says something very importantly. Neither do I accuse you. Why does the Lord says neither do I? The, why did the accusers leave? Because they were sinners, so they couldn't throw a stone. How, how can Jesus says neither do I? Because he's the only one who had a right to accuse her and judge her. He's not like the others who took off because he was with sin. The mercy seat where we brought atonement, where humanity and God met for forgiveness. We see that with Jesus in all of those instances. Instead of wiping them out, he brought forgiveness. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand how hard it is. Uh, you, you know, some people did some awful things for, uh, to me. Some people may have been abused physically, sexually, verbally. Hey, I come from a generation where three Three generations prior to me, they were constantly tortured for their faith. How do you grow up as a child and you look at your dad disfigured or you look at your family, what they've gone through? It's not easy not to learn how to harbor bad feelings for them. It's even more strange as a child to see your grandfather on his knees praying for them. If you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, you say, Pastor, don't bore me because I know the Lord very well and I have walked with him. And I know because when he was offered on the cross, what? 
painkillers, he refused. To know that he's associating with my, what? Pain and suffering. So whatever your pain, whatever suffering you have, whatever grudge you're holding, whatever you think you've been extremely violated or harmed down to you, the Lord is intimately saying to you, I'm taking that with me. He's, he's there for we have someone who can associate with what we're going through. A high priest who can associate. That's why he came in the form of a man. So now you say, yes, I walk with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. And now I do have that freedom because here the door for all my bitterness, all my grudges, all my, you know, hard feelings that I have for someone, I have that intimacy with Jesus. I might, have done, I might have been one of those because I'm so intimate with Jesus, Pastor, that I, I'm the one that has to nail. I need him to die for me and my sin. I'm the one who nails him on the cross. Easter's coming. We have to prepare. Not to say, oh, wow, they killed him. But to seriously realize that you need Jesus to die for you and you need to place yourself there. You're the one who needs to slap him so you can transfer your sin. Your, your sin is the one that drives the nails. Pastor, don't talk about those things. They're awful things. It's where life and truth and freedom for you and I begin. That's where they begin. Guess what Jesus says the first thing on the cross? Father, have you ever heard that? Have you heard the beautiful words when you really, really, not just knowledge of the gospel, you say, Jesus, Father, this is me. I'm killing your son. This is my sin. Have you heard and have you held to those words? Have they brought you forgiveness and peace? Have you heard him speak to you? That is the Holy Spirit at work. When you have messed up and someone forgives you, do you feel good? You feel good because you're forgiven, but you may not feel good of what you have done. Why is that? K. 
can guilt still remain? Can guilt linger around? Yes. yes. So now you see why the atonement is not just the washing away of your sin, but is the removal of sin as is this from the West. So guilt won't linger around. If when you're converted, the greater, you know, some people, their conversion process takes time. Some people, it's turbulent and a lot happens. The more the peace and the harmony of Christ comes into your life, the more you're propelled into forgiveness being a way of life for you. Let's turn back to Peter. Matthew 18, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. How many times did the Jews uh, uh, teach people to forgive each other? Three times. Why? Because of Amos 1 and 2, we see that the fourth time the Lord comes down with, you know, some serious, uh, serious uh, repercussions for those who sin against them. So they, they usually talk three times. So Peter thinks himself, wow, I'm pretty good. I'm going to say a number that's twice more than what we've, been, what we've heard. I'm going to say seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven times. You can translate it in both ways. What does that mean? Peter, it's not about you doing more. It's not about you being better than the next person. It's not about you having more tolerance. But it's about a way of life that needs to invade you that no longer keeps a counter. Has your wife come? I told you not to do this. And since I told you, you've already done it five times. Why are you laughing? It's happened to me before. Now I'm glad, Eddie, it hasn't happened to you. But never, see? A way of life. This cannot be understood unless you're born of the Spirit. That's why the Spirit has to form you. I'm in the hospital with our son on his, you know, in the ICU, had been there for a couple of months. And the head of the ICU comes to me and he says, we have messed up the medicine last night, the percentage of the pumps. We poisoned your son so badly, I don't understand why he's not dead this morning. He should have died last night. This is the nurse who did that.
I don't even need much of a you know, they, they, this is a lawsuit, right? Go sue the, 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 school, sue the school, this is a UCLA, sue the department, the head made a confession, get a few million dollars and walk away. But I had been there, and there was an emergency case, and they couldn't work with this one-year-old that was on his deathbed who came next window, and he was trying to go help and going back and forth, and he messed up at the expense of another life. There are times when forgiveness is not that easy. Not only did I have to forgive him, but I had to take him out of his prison. I had to go and I said, please don't fire this guy. It's not just that I forgive him. It's the best nurses that get to work in the ICU. Well, it opened up the door for me to share the gospel with this nurse, with the nurse that he was living in sin with, they weren't married, with another Baptist nurse, they came to me afterwards and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about committing adultery. So turning her back. With another nurse that's thinking about marriage and with another doctor that repents and comes to the Lord and he's noticing the Lord. I'm supposed to be in the hospital so they can help my son live. But I'm ministering in the hospital as I'm living. I live for three months in the ICU room. That is not easy. It is not easy. Unless by faith God shows us a new reality. Logically, only when by faith you can see your son in the hands of Jesus and the Father does it make sense. That's the only way it can make sense. Do you know how I only kept saying that time? Every morning. I saw myself at the foot of the cross with Jesus. That was the only thing that kept me sane. I'm moving forward. Every day, in the morning, every day. There's a lot more forgiveness to other doctors and nurses there that I had to do. That I'll spare you the misery of, of hearing. It is not easy to hear what the Lord is saying. Forgiveness is a way of life. Forgiveness is something that you need to possess from Him to be able to practice it. Let's move forward to the next slide.
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Hey, that was me. They need to pay for damaging my son. I'm going to take them down. Yeah, my son may not live, but I'm going to be a multi-multi-millionaire at the end of the day. And they pronounced it. So it won't be even a long court date. It will be a five-minute court case. Do you think that's the way God deals with people? Aren't you glad God doesn't deal that way with you and me today? The way of forgiveness is an element of the kingdom. You cannot understand it unless you're born of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is at work to form that in your life. But when the same servant went out after we see how he should have dealt with, God extended mercy, grace to that servant. But then this servant goes out and finds one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put, him pri- uh, and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. What does this mean? It means that someone was forgiven $10 million and you get out and you can't forgive someone for $1,000. Not only is this bad, but what does he do to this servant who owes him? They had at that time what was called a debtor's jail. Debtor's jail means there's nothing you can do. So this guy puts, after he's forgiven, he puts his friend into debtor's jail, which says, There's nothing you can do about your financial situation to even pay me. So it's even stupid uh, what happens, but this this is how it worked. And he forced people into tremendously bad situations where slavery was basically the only solution left. Unforgiveness brings about consequences of what? Of the demonic is the first path to demonic. Harboring unforgiveness, you're inviting evil spirits over prolonged times to begin to attach themselves to your soul and begin to oppress you. 
you'll begin to move towards the demonic and you don't even realize it. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken place, they were greatly distressed. A wrong, when grace comes forward and then a wrong is done, When you've been forgiven and you understand who, you, who your sin killed and the precious blood of Jesus, then now it's on your hands and on your heart and your mantle. And you don't forgive. There's distress within the kingdom. They went and reported to their master all that he had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant. Please note, he is still his servant. It doesn't say he lost his salvation. I forgave you. Past tense. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in, your ang and in, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your, from where? Heart. Volition, emotion, and your mind and your thoughts. Will do to every one of you. Is speaking to whom? To us. Why is, why is the Father doing this to us? What happens now, looking back at the jail... What happens now when you and I don't forgive someone? We put them in a jail of relationships. We bar them in a place where they can no longer improve the ties of a relationship. What is the whole purpose of the mercy seat? What is the whole purpose of the cross of Jesus coming? To reconcile us to... When we don't forgive, we put people in that spiritual jail and they can't get out. It's not even just so much about you. But it's what spiritually you are doing to the people who need the Lord and need to be forgiven. Imagine, you say, well, I, think I need to pray for this guy at my work. I need to pray for my neighbor. We need to pray for my son or my daughter. Imagine if there's a dozen people who keep your son or your daughter in a spiritual jail. There are things in the spiritual realm that are unseen. When the gospel of Jesus Christ frees us, a way of forgiveness, we walk in the spirit of forgiveness.
There's just no way, no other way around it. Now, it doesn't mean it's not painful. The Lord says that. No, no, no. I, I'm not taking the, you know, I'm not taking any painkillers. Let's move to the next slide. I've met many people who said to me, you know, Pastor, I remember being on the streets of coming back from a mission trip in Kiev and then in Romania, and then I stopped in England for one day, and it was a wonderful visit. Uh, heard John Stott preach. All Souls. I was just walking by the street. I saw All Souls Church. Worship service, 6.30 p.m. So let me go. Guess who's preaching? John Stott. One of the most amazing sermons I've ever heard. I come out. People are fellowshipping outside the church. And, you know, I met one of the disciples that I had in college who was doing postdoc in marine biology at UCSD. And he, he shocked when he saw me. So I saw him there too. How, it's a small world among us Christians. I walk outside and there's some you know, hooligans just sitting on the floor and drinking, and I'm trying to share the gospel with them. And one of them begins to talk to me and says, you know, he says, it's weird, because I'm here every Sunday, and none of those people come to talk to me. You're an American of Romanian descent, and you're talking to me? I was expecting people who live here in the UK and go to this church to talk to me about the Lord. So I'm talking to him on the street, and and, uh, and you can tell because now he has eyes, uh, tears in his eyes as he hears the gospel. And he says, you know, I've done so many bad things that, you know, I don't, I don't think the Lord can forgive me. I've just done too many bad things in my life. It's a good passage to memorize. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you have heard of Augustine of Hippo? Here's something he claims. This is not the Bible. This is his own claim. It's not a bad one into how you look at things. The confession of evil works is the beginning of good works. Not to our salvation. But the confession of evil works is the beginning of good works. The cross of Jesus brings confession. His life moves us in that direction so we can flow with forgiveness and prepare us for good works. The confession of evil is good works. Let's move to the next slide. Here's another author. To, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is Bernard de Clairvaux, one of my favorite. I recommend you don't read too much of his stuff. I was in seminary, and when I read about his life, and read how he lived, after half a page, I put down. And I began to repent. I was ashamed of how the Anabaptists lived their life then and how we live our lives now today. I couldn't read it. I couldn't read it. The personal testimony, it was 
I, it, I could not read it. So in his spare times, he wrote poems. And this is a small poem he wrote. To shame our sins, he blushed in blood. He closed his eyes to show us God. Let all the world fall down and know that none but God such love can show. Do you think he had an intimate walk with Jesus? And with the cross and with forgiveness and with Easter? It came out as an expression of his life, as a fountain of grace. Let's move to the next slide. Daniel tells us, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Uh oh. Mercy and forgiveness belong to whom? They're not mine and yours? So what happens when you forgive? You're witnessing of whom? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way of Christ is where? In you and us when we forgive. Mercy and forgiveness belong to our God. For this is my blood of the covenant... Which is put out for the, for the many. For the forgiveness of sins. Can you appropriately take, examine yourself. Can you take of the blood of the Lord Jesus by harboring unforgiveness? If you have a grudge... If you have a, a relationship that is not in harmony and peace, it's best that you do not partake. Wait till next month. Deal with that situation before you partake of the Lord's Supper. For this is my blood of the covenant. It was through forgiveness that we were reconciled and the atonement, and now we live in that covenant. You're fake if, you, if, you're not, if you're unforgiven. You're fake in that covenant. Don't partake and bring harm upon your life. Psalm 134, what does it say? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. What does that mean? Where is forgiveness? If you have to look at yourself and say, can I forgive? No, you can't. You can only fool yourself that you're forgiven. You need to have that surrender of denial of self to be able to leave yourself and come into the presence of God so you can truly 
have forgiveness available. Now, brothers and sisters, go in peace, knowing the forgiveness is with you, resting that you have a high priest and an advocate before the throne of our Father, who is for you. To his name we sing and we praise. Amen. Amen. <laughs>